Welcome to the Heavy Duty Parts Report. This podcast is presented by the Heavy Duty Consulting Corporation and hosted by our CEO, Jamie Irvin. At the Heavy Duty Consulting Corporation, we work with manufacturers, distributors, and repair shops who want to grow their business. Do you have a problem that you would like some help with? We have developed fault codes for heavy duty parts businesses, just like they have for commercial trucks. Find out how many fault codes your business has and how you stack up against dozens of other heavy-duty parts businesses. Head to heavydutyconsulting.com and schedule a meeting with us today. All right, let's start this episode. You're listening to the Heavy Duty Parts Report. I'm your host, Jamie Irvin, and this is the show where you get expert advice about heavy-duty parts that keeps trucks and trailers on the road longer while lowering costs per mile. Buses play an integral role in our society and our economy. Over the last couple of years, the trucking industry has received a lot of attention. But what about the bus industry? My guest today is Peter Pantuzo, the president and CEO of the American Bus Association. Peter, welcome to the Heavy Duty Parts Report. So glad to have you here. Absolutely thrilled to be with you. Thanks for including me. So I was interested in talking to you about the bus industry for many reasons, but one thing I was curious about, how many people use the bus every year? You know, a lot more than people would believe. So prior to the pandemic, we were moving about 600 million passengers every single year. And to put that in perspective, uh, North American domestic airlines move about 700 million. Our Amtrak system here in the States moves about 35 million. So we were you know, almost 20 times bigger than Amtrak and almost as big as the airlines. You know, we've had a downturn, obviously, in the industry, but we're, we're coming back strong. Well, I'm glad to hear that. And yeah, that, that's a number that I don't think if you ask the average person, they would be able to guess even close to that. So I love to, to look at things from the economic impact. You know, a lot of times on the heavy duty parts report, we're talking about um, the economic impact of uh, buying high quality parts versus low quality parts, something like that. But if, if the bus industry just suddenly disappeared, what would be the economic impact to our uh, economy and to our society? Yeah, so the economic impact of the industry, you have to look at it in a couple of different ways. So first of all, you look at direct sales, if you will, of the motor coach industry, or bus industry, the private bus industry. And it, it was about $15.3 billion prior to the pandemic. Uh, when you look at the the direct impact in terms of you know what we buy, whether it's tires, engines, buses, the jobs that we employ, the jobs in other industries, it's about a it's about a hundred billion dollar economic impact. And then if you look at as well the travel and tourism industry and include that sector, and look at the people that depend on the motor coach industry, the travel industry, and all the suppliers for their jobs. It's about a two hundred million dollar, a two hundred billion dollar impact on the economy. So not only would that go away, but the other thing that would go away is the role that we play would be picked up by probably federally subsidized, state, local subsidized transportation systems, and that's even a even a bigger impact on top of what we would lose by us going away. So you know, sometimes people don't they don't see the bus industry, they don't see the trucking industry, commercial equipment. It's not part of their everyday experience. You know, they see them on the highways, but they don't really grasp the role that it plays. And so thank you very much for summarizing that. You mentioned that that things had declined because of the pandemic. I think uh, obviously with um, no, with people not moving in lockdowns, I can see that immediate, but, but maybe just go into a little more detail on exactly how the bus industry was impacted by the pandemic. 
Sure. So I, I take a look at the bus industry really kind of three segments, if you will. I look at the what I would call the scheduled service, and that's point to point or city to city. It could be, you know, I'm in Washington, D.C., so it could be buses that go from D.C. to New York, could be buses that connect middle America with, with urban destinations. But that's city to city or point to point. And then I look at the other another segment, second segment, which would be commuter buses. And this is private commuters coming into town to work. It could be commuters going to the oil sands. It could be commuters going to logging operations or to mining operations. But typically, you know, it's the day-to-day commuter who's coming into work. And then the third segment, which is the largest segment, is the charter segment. You know, a bus that can be chartered to go anywhere, can work on a convention. It can be chartered by a tour planner who's planning a trip across country for three weeks and needs a bus. So, you know, those are the three segments I look at. And then when I look at the impact, the the first being the scheduled service sector, that sector, like everybody else, was hit very hard. Overall, if if you will, you know, the motor coach industry prior to the pandemic was doing 15.3 billion just in direct revenue. In 2020, we did about two and a half billion. So we we lost about 80% of our revenue. Last year in 2021, we were at about seven and a half. So we're still below 50%. This year, we think we're going to be operating at about 60 to 70 percent of where we'd have been pre-pandemic. And when I look at each one of those sectors, the scheduled service sector has come back to about 60 to 70 percent pre-pandemic. The commuter market is still way, way down. There's a lot of places, a lot of cities here in Washington, D.C. is a perfect example where government agencies aren't open yet. And so people aren't commuting into town every single day. And I'll give you another example here in Maryland, a, a you know part of the DC metro area. They have their own bus program. They they charter buses from multiple companies to bring people in and out of the city to work. Prior to the pandemic, they were moving um, they were moving fifteen thousand a day. Uh, today, they're moving twenty five hundred a day. So that's how fewer commuters there are. Same thing in New York and other major cities. Mm-hmm. Um, that part that segment's operating at about twenty five percent at best. And then the charter market is is doing well right now. This is kind of peak season for a lot of charter companies. Um, but we also are hearing that they're soft in the summer and soft in the fall. So we think overall the industry this year is going to be between 60 and 70 percent capacity. Are we going to get back to pre-pandemic levels in the future? Or has things so fundamentally changed with people working from home and using digital technology that like what are your what are your thoughts on the long-term prognosis? Yeah, I think I think we're going to be back to 100 percent in in most of the industry, probably not the commuter market, because those commuters are never going back five days a week. I don't think, you know, most of them are going to be going back four days or three days. So that's a 20 to 40 percent decline in that segment of the industry long term. But the other segments, yeah, they'll be back. We think full recovery for the industry, you know, whatever the new full recovery is, is probably going to be somewhere end of 23 or into 24. And one thing that I didn't really think about before uh, watching an interview you did on our friends over at uh, the DL podcast with Tyler Robertson was just the the nature of the people who own the uh, the bus companies and and kind of the legacy. Could you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So it, it's a you know this is an unbelievably great industry with with multiple generations running some of these companies and the typical companies probably not unlike a lot of trucking companies, but of the of the companies that remain, and we were about three thousand companies going into the pandemic. We're about fifteen to eighteen hundred now, so we've lost almost half the industry. 
Um, but those companies are, are typically family businesses. I can literally count on probably two hands the ones that aren't. Um, many of the companies go back, you know, multiple generations. We've got, you know, companies that go back four or five generations, companies whose great, 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 great grandfathers were running stagecoach. And obviously they put a motor in it, became a motor coach. And so a great legacy, just a, a great testament to the grit in this industry that they're able to, to work that hard and stick together. And, and those that have come out of the pandemic, I think will do very, very well in the future. Uh, but it, it, it's, it's a really wonderful industry. I'm, I'm blessed every day to know that I'm working for these folks. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Don't have a heavy-duty part number and need to look up a part? Go to parts.diesellaptops.com or download the app on Apple or Android to create your free account. Looking for high-quality fuel injection for heavy-duty applications? Having one supplier for fuel injection allows you to better serve customers by providing them with a complete line, which increases your sales and profitability. Learn more at ambacinternational.com slash aftermarket. We're back from our break. And before the break, we were talking about the bus industry, the economic impact, the great legacy of the bus industry. Really uh, fascinating, Peter, to learn uh, so much about it in such a short period of time. Uh, This is the heavy-duty parts report. We like to talk about maintenance and parts. When it comes to maintaining buses and and bus maintenance in general, what kind of unique challenges are there with buses that maybe you wouldn't have on other commercial equipment? Oh, great, great question. So, you know, one of the biggest differences is the size, number one, right? So you take a truck, typically, you know, you're, you're relatively compact into that cab. Now you've got, you know, a bus that's a long tube that needs to be air conditioned all the way down through. It needs to be heated, needs to be lighted. You know, it, all of those factors it has stereo systems in it, the air exchange systems to ensure that the passengers are getting continually, you know, a fresh moving air, especially during during COVID and the challenges we face there. So those are some of the some of the challenges of operating a bus. And then as a as an operator, obviously, you know, you've got 50 backseat drivers who are interested in where the bus is going and when are we going to get there? You know, that's hard enough for me driving, you know, when I've got somebody sitting next to me saying, when are we going to get there, turn left, turn right? You know, I, I can't imagine doing it with 50 people. I never even thought of, of that. Like, for example, drivetrain, just the stress on the drivetrain because of how long the bus is versus a truck that only has maybe a tandem axle. It'd be a very, very different setup and, and a lot of different components. Speaking of parts, though, has the bus industry experienced the same parts shortages that the rest of the uh, trucking and commercial vehicle industry has experienced? Yeah, they sure they sure have. I talk to operators every single day who tell me, you know, that they would have more coaches out on the road running if they could get the parts that they needed. I mean, buses that are sitting and have been sitting for weeks on end because they can't get the parts that they need. And obviously their suppliers are going through the same challenge, the manufacturers who many times have those parts or supply them. Many of those are coming from overseas. So the supply chain is, has hit the industry very, very hard, like everybody else. Right. And expanding your supplier network is going to be something that I think everybody should do, even if we, re, you know, not if, even when we reach full recovery, I think we have to take some lessons away from from this last couple of years. And one thing that I don't think most of us understood was how fragile our supply chain actually was. You know, I think we all thought it was very global and very robust. And it kind of shows us that we need to take maybe a different approach. One of the things that I find interesting about the bus uh, market is, or the industry rather, you know, moving people is obvious, but speak to us a little bit about how much cargo and freight the bus industry moves. 
Uh, you know, in different parts of the country, it's significant, right? So in, in a lot of rural parts of America where the bus is the only way to connect, um, you know, people need parts. It's, it's a great way to get them there same day, same day sometimes. Um, same thing in, in Canada and in rural parts of Canada. We see where, where uh, parts uh, transportation or goods transportation via bus is a very big part of the industry and, and has been for a long, long time. And, and I think that will continue for some time. I mean, in other parts of the country, it's really not as significant, especially, I'll say, here on the East Coast, where, you know, things are as compact and packed and you get pretty quickly from one place to another. But if there's a, a farmer who needs a part, you know, in the middle of Iowa and it's got to come in from Chicago, gosh, he can get it down on a, on a Greyhound, maybe connecting to a Trailways, maybe connecting to another bus and get it there same day or by the end of the day. Yeah, that's that's fascinating. When it comes to electrification, this wasn't in the outline, but I did think of it. Our bus is kind of in the same uh, situation as commercial trucks. Like, for example, uh, if you have a commercial truck that's at a port and has a, a dedicated route, or you've got a uh, waste disposal uh, vehicle that's on a dedicated maybe 100-mile loop every day, it's like a perfect application for electrification. Where is buses in comparison to the trucking industry? Is it farther ahead with electrification? Is it behind? When you talk about commercial buses or, or motor coaches, I, I would say we're behind. And, and the reason being, number one, is the cost. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, you know, a bus is a $500,000 to $600,000 vehicle as is. When you have an electric bus, it's a million-dollar-plus vehicle. So you know, finding somebody to, to pay for that or paying for it with increased rates or increased fees or, or ticketing prices you know, in a market that's very sensitive to that, uh, it's going to take a while to build it in. Now, we're seeing, you know, in the transit market, the school bus market, with a lot of federal subsidies, a lot of state and local subsidies, you know, that market is certainly moving quicker. And you're seeing, you know, those vehicles being being converted to electric vehicles or, or being purchased as electric vehicles. But that process is a lot slower in the motor coach industry and will be. Uh, the, the, the other challenge is the application, because as you point out, you know, if you're running a bus, let's say in a commuter environment where you're, you know, you're going in and coming out every single day and you're back in the same place or the bus is sitting there for a period of time in between runs where it can be recharged, that's a perfect opportunity. Um, but if you are in the charter market and today that bus is going from, you know, Washington, D.C. to New York City, but tomorrow it might be going to Niagara Falls and the day after that it might be, you know, on its way somewhere else. Knowing number one that the infrastructure is available, all those locations uh, is is the first process. But the other piece is the amount of space the the batteries take up. They take up you know as much as two of the three baggage bays. And so if you're on a long distance bus, you know you need luggage, and you can't very well say to the consumer, "Listen, we'd love to have you. It's a brand new electric bus." But you're going to have to leave your luggage at home. We don't know what you're going to do. <laughs> and we're going to charge you double. <laughs> exactly. That, so that becomes a bit of a challenge, obviously. But yeah, in those applications, you know, commuters where you don't have luggage or you have a limited amount, typically, um, that, that works perfect. And, and obviously, long term, you know, we're going to be there, whether it's hydrogen, whether it's electric. The, the whole industry, the whole transportation market is going to move that way. You know, the infrastructure is far from being able to support Certainly, I don't know about trucks, but motor coaches right now, a fully uh, a bus that needs to be fully charged is going to take six or seven hours. So, again, in a a long distance application, you know, when the passengers are going from from A to B, you can't really say we're going to be a little bit delayed for the next six hours because we got to charge the bus. 
So when I when I was a young man uh, trying to decide what I was going to do for a career, I I was going to school with a lot of people, and pretty much everyone my age group was getting into computer science. And I remember thinking about supply and demand because I loved economics, and I remember thinking. If everybody I know and everybody they know in our age bracket is all going to get into computer science, there's going to be a supply and demand issue on the other end where there's going to be too many people and and maybe not enough of demand. Now, maybe I was off on that and I didn't fully understand how how monumentally huge the computer uh, side of, of and technology was going to be. But um, when you're talking to young people and you're encouraging them to join the bus industry, to me, that's got to be almost a wide open industry where not a lot of youth would would think of that. Even their parents wouldn't think of that um, as being a, a place where there's opportunity. Uh, like, let's talk a little bit about getting people into these great niches within the commercial vehicle industry. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And so many opportunities. You know, we have here at the association a, a foundation. We we award uh, twenty scholarships a year. Uh, to encourage people to come into the industry, not just the bus industry, but but travel, tour uh, on, on on the equipment side or maintenance side as well. We've got scholarships for that, but it's not something that that readily comes to mind. I, I, people don't think of the bus or bus driving or maintenance necessarily as a career, but it's an absolutely fantastic career. I mean, we've got you know we've got drivers that are getting paid sixty, seventy, eighty thousand dollars. Uh, right now, we've got mechanics making the same kind of money. I mean, there are drivers in the industry who are making over $100,000 driving bus. Uh, and then there's, you know, all the back-end support, the computer technology that you need to be able to run the office, to be able to do, you know, have booking systems and, and scheduling systems there. And, you know, the marketing personnel, all those other disciplines are, are required to run a bus company. And, and you're right. It's certainly when I was going to school, you know, the counselor didn't say, here's an option for you. Um, but we try to we try to encourage people to think about that as a really great career, uh, not just a job, but a career. Yeah, I love the expression. The riches are in the niches. <laughs> so, you know, if, uh, there's so much competition for healthcare and uh, for, for some of the IT kind of jobs and stuff. And it just seems so wide open. And yet so few young people are, are even aware of it. So we've got to we've got to do our part to raise awareness. Let's just end on this one thing. What's one thing you want people to remember from our conversation today? Well, I remember, I think, first of all, the size and scope of the industry. Again, the fact that you know we were moving almost 600 million passengers. The other piece being that we are the most environmentally friendly form of transportation. So as we hear here in the States, our administration talking about you know getting people off the roads, infrastructure, moving people efficiently making sure that, you know, we reduce our environmental footprint. And now, especially, you know, with the cost of fuel, the bus is the perfect solution to that, to all of that. You know, we, we, every couple of years, we take a look at government data and we look at, you know, the output of NOx and carbon dioxide emissions. And when you look at it, the motor coach is, is by far the lowest on a per person basis. So, you know, I saw something just the other day, it was talking about people aren't willing to travel as much this year because of the high cost of fuel or because of the environmental impact of driving. But get on the bus. I mean, that solves that solution you know, almost immediately. You've been listening to the Heavy Duty Parts Report. I'm your host, Jamie Irvin. We've been speaking with Peter, who is the president and CEO of the American Bus Association. To learn more about the American Bus Association, visit buses.org. Links are in the show notes. Peter, thank you so much for being on the Heavy Duty Parts Report. So glad to have you here. Thanks for having me. 
HCA Truck Pride is the heart of the Independent Parts and Service Channel. They have 750 parts stores and 450 service centers conveniently located across the U.S. and Canada. Visit heavydutypartsreport.com slash HDA Truck Pride today to find a location near you. Again, that's heavydutypartsreport.com slash HDA Truck Pride and let the heart of the Independent Service Channel take care of your commercial equipment.